You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Well, it's Thursday, and this is the first SEC edition of the Thursday Tracks Plus Deep Dig. I'm Charlie Winfield. I'm here in the Farm Bureau studios. Bart Gregory is with me. Bart, it's that time again. SEC baseball has finally made it. And this time, the Bulldogs are going to open the season traveling to Athens. By the way, one of the great college towns in my estimation. Yeah, it really is, Charlie. I remember going to Athens with men's basketball one year. And, of course, you and I have both traveled around the SEC. It's one of my favorite places to go, to be honest with you. And I remember being with longtime strength coach Richard Akins. And I told Richard Akins, and he had never been to Athens, which was kind of crazy. Had never been to Athens, like staying over. You know, if you travel with football, you fly in, you probably stay in Atlanta, you drive in, you drive back out. It's a quick trip. You don't spend any time in Athens. And so that was really the first time he had spent any time in Athens. I said, Coach, let me tell you something. There are more people on the streets of Athens, Georgia at two o'clock in the morning than there are at two o'clock in the afternoon. And he says, I don't believe you. And so we actually went to bed at like 8 o'clock, set our alarms for 11.30, and then went to went to get something to eat downtown Athens like at midnight. And he was like, this place is unbelievable. Because it's right there. I mean, the downtown is right across from the northern side of campus. It's a great, great college scene. You know, there's a big music scene in Athens. You think of REM that came out of Athens. The B-52s came out of Athens. There have been a lot of others, but – there's just a kind of a lot of life to the town. One of my favorite things I ever saw in Athens was, I don't know if you've ever gone past City Hall in Athens, but in City Hall, out in front of City Hall, they have a double-barreled cannon. And there's actually a bar named after the double-barreled cannon. Have you ever seen that? No, I have not. Now, the thing about Athens is... I don't remember it. Now, I think I've walked by City Hall because I think I've walked all over town because you can just park your car and walk all over. You know, the one thing that stands out to me about Athens, Charlie, is when you start looking at the city and county government, it's all consolidated. You know, it's like Clark County and then the city of Athens. It's almost like all the infrastructure, everything to do from the political scene there's no separation of county slash city. It's all in one. Yeah, I saw that they made that decision uh, some number of years ago. But let me tell you something about this cannon, by the way, because I was kind of hung up on it. So it was a double-barrel cannon that this guy developed during the Civil War. And the idea is that you're going to put cannonballs in each side that were going to be connected with a chain. And then you would fire the cannon. And the idea was that the two cannonballs traveling with the chain between them would be more deadly and uh, after three test fires it proved to be more dangerous they killed a cow uh, they knocked down a chimney and it became so dangerous to the people firing it that the cannon never actually saw action but it is sitting on the city hall lawn and there is a bar the double barrel cannon that you can go to 
in Athens. So what you're saying is sometime when they were developing this, there was some old redneck that sat there and said, hey, y'all watch this. The famous last words. Famous last words. That's exactly what happened, and wiser heads prevailed. The only thing worse than saying, hey, y'all watch this is, boy, I think that'll ride, instead of tying it down in the back of the truck. Well, that, uh, I guess, wiser heads prevailed at the time. I tell you what really struck me about the University of Georgia this year, and I thought this from looking at their facilities. This is a football school. This is just a football school. You go to Sanford Stadium, you play between the hedges, there's something to it. But the Coliseum for basketball is uninspiring. Uh, the baseball field is fine, but it's not its not anything like the, the cathedrals we see in the SEC West. Not knocking them, it just doesn't have the same emphasis. And if you ever needed proof that they don't care about basketball, what about the hire they just made? They go down to their arch rival, who by some accounts there was discussion about whether he even comes back for another year. I mean, that's almost like us driving up to Oxford and saying, hey, look, I know your coach is on the ropes. How about sending him our way? Can you believe they hired Mike White? I mean, can you actually believe that they hired Mike White from Florida? That shows you exactly the the mindset of everything at Georgia right now. They're just trying to get to football season. That's it right now. Hey, boys, don't embarrass us and don't break the budget. We got football coming up. Hey, and by the way, we had a former Georgia quarterback on our show last year, our good friend Buck Ballou. I actually talked to Buck Ballou earlier today. We're talking about the Georgia and baseball, and he's coming over in a couple weeks to the Alabama series. Of course, he played football at Valdosta High School with our good friend JB, John Bond. But anyway. And he was a quarterback right before John Bond, wasn't he, at Valdosta? Maybe one in between them? You had Buck Ballou, then you had the, the next Georgia quarterback, and then John Bond came to Mississippi State. You had three guys in a row at Valdosta High School. And, of course, Buck Ballou was a quarterback on that last national championship for Georgia back in, what, 1980. And had that big touchdown pass to Lindsey Scott that was made so famous. All right, Bart, let's talk about football. By the way, we will remind you we are in the Farm Bureau studios, Farm Bureau Agents in all 82 of Mississippi's counties. Do you ever, by the way, Bart, did you ever have to learn all the counties and their county seats coming up in Mississippi history class as a kid? Oh, yeah. Maurice Clay was my history teacher, passed away this past year. And I think you know Maurice Clay. He's the guy that got me involved in radio down at uh, WLSM in Louisville, he and Phil Harrison. But he was my uh, seventh grade Mississippi history teacher, taught us about the Lois Hills and about Vicksburg and about the, all the counties in the state of Mississippi. That was one of the that was one of the things we learned early in Nanawoya was the counties of the state of Mississippi. Well, Farm Bureau, they're in all 82 of them. Check them out at favorites.com. And if you're looking for insurance, Give them a look. They have great customer service, good rates, and they take care of their people. And look, it's the people that go to church with you that you see in the carpool lines. Good people at Farm Bureaus. Check them out. Bart, right off the bat, one of the things that jumps out at me about this baseball series is we still don't really know that much about Georgia, but I tend to think that they're pretty dang good. You're going to see a great arm on Friday. They've got good pitching. 
This is a, a little bit of a case, though, and I, I, if you sense that I'm a little bit hesitant in trying to rate Georgia too high, you know the old joke that the football coaches used to always have, you know, the good news is we got everybody back, the bad news is everybody's back, and they weren't any good last year. You know, Georgia wasn't a very good team last year. They were 13-17 and 17 in the league, but when you start peeling behind that, they had a ton of injuries. Something like 45% of their innings were thrown by freshmen. 55% of their starts on the mound by freshmen. Think this is a much better team because they're older and they're healthier. How do you see it? Yeah, Charlie, you just kind of look back at how they started their season. The thing that kind of worries you about Georgia – is they're very similar to what you saw out of us last year. It's almost like they found ways to win early. You know, they had to walk off a win against Albany in the first weekend of the se- weekend of the season. They swept Albany in a three-game series. They beat Wofford in midweek. Then they played Akron and had a one-nothing win against Akron on a Friday night. And so, you know, they just found ways to win. They scored a run in the top of the ninth inning against Wofford on a Tuesday night. And then, you know, they lose two games against Georgia Tech. They played a played a Friday Saturday series Friday Saturday Sunday series against Georgia Tech. Friday night they played at Tech and lost eleven to seven. Then they came back to Athens for the second game and then they lost seven to nothing. Then they played the third game against uh, Georgia Tech in Lawrenceville, Georgia, and they won that game to salvage one of the three. And then they lost their next game against Georgia Southern. They played that game in North Augusta, South Carolina. But they come back this past weekend. They win three games against Lipscomb. They win last night against USC Upstate, 15-3. So they just found ways to win early in the year. And so, you know, this is a team coming in that, uh, you know, we talked to Jeff Dantzler, you know, yesterday on our show, the voice of the Georgia baseball Bulldogs. And, you know, they've had some issues with some, some arm injuries as well and had to play through that as well. But you start thinking about, you know, frontline pitching. You know, they've got as good a Friday night guys there is in the SEC. Yeah, and arguably a guy who's going to be a top ten pick. You know, I always say that there's about 35 guys that are labeled top ten picks. But I think Cannon has a legitimate chance to be one of those guys. Yeah, I think so. Let's take a look at the pitching matchups this weekend. Brought to you by our good friends, Mosquito Joe. Yeah, Mosquito Joe, they specialize in making your outdoor experience enjoyable. They make outside fun again. So if you want to be grilling while watching or listening to a game, hanging out by the fire pit, sitting around the swimming pool, they can take care of you. they got barrier treatments. They'll come out, they'll inspect your yard for mosquito breeding and habitats, and they'll get to treating it, and they'll put in misting systems. they got all kinds of stuff they can do for you. Coverage areas. Down in Jackson, the metro area, Meridian and surrounding areas, Golden Triangle, Hattiesburg, Laurel. Call our friend up. Some people call him Robert Carlton. His old friends know him as Bob or Spanky, Bulldog super fan. And then our other friend, Dorsey Hardman. Old Miss guy, but, you know, he's all right. He's okay. Now, look, Dorsey's a great guy. So call those guys up. They can take care of you. You're having an outdoor event. If you're one of these, everybody's got an outdoor kitchen now. You need to call Mosquito Joe. They can take care of you. So, Bart, let's take a look at those weekend matchups. And, hey, on Friday, this was going to be a big-time marquee matchup when you were thinking about having Jonathan Cannon and Landon Sims 
from a national perspective, probably viewed a little bit differently because you got Preston Johnson going for Mississippi State. But look, the Bulldogs have no reason, and by the Bulldogs, I suppose I should be careful, our former Bulldogs got no reason to back away. Preston Johnson, maybe not tagged as that elite top of the first round kind of pitcher, but it's a guy that knows how to get outs. But, man, hey, Cannon, this guy can sling it. In fact, if you go to D1 Baseball every week, they put out like what they call their heat sheet where they have guys throwing in the upper 90s, and Cannon is on there, it seems like, every week. Every week he's in there throwing 95, 96. He can, he can run it up there. Yeah, he can. And if you look back to last season, Charlie, in his sophomore season, I mean, here's a guy that they kind of brought in very slowly as a freshman. He only pitched in five games his freshman season. Last year he had mono early in the year, so he was kind of late getting started in 2021. He had a great outing against Vanderbilt middle of the year, and he was a national pitcher of the week, and he got better as the year went on. He went 4-2 and two last season, but you know he was projected to be one of those strong front-line guys this year uh, for anybody in the country. And like you just said, a strong Friday night guy. He went six innings in his first start against Albany, gave up no runs, two hits, struck out four, didn't walk anybody. His strikeout numbers early in the year were not that great. He was just pitching to contact. Against Akron, he went eight and a third, no runs, three hits, just five strikeouts through 94 pitches. Against Georgia Tech, though, he was lit up a little bit. Gave up six runs on seven hits. He struck out eight, so the strikeouts crept a little higher. He walked one. That's his only walk this season. Last week against Lipscomb, he goes six innings, one run, five hits. He strikes out a season-high 11, doesn't walk anybody. So listen to these numbers. 26 and a third innings of work, seven runs, 17 hits. His ERA, 2.39. But here's what's crazy, 28 strikeouts and just one walk on the season. And out of the 17 hits that he's given up, only four have been extra base hits, three doubles, one home run. He's been really good at home against Albany, against Akron, against Lipscomb. He has been very, very good at Foley Field. So type of pitching, by the way, Cannon, and this will be true with Liam Sullivan that we'll talk about in a minute too. Cannon's a big guy, six foot six, about 215 pounds. We talked about the fastball. He'll get it up there about 95. His second pitch is a slider, 82-83 with what they call a hard tilt. I mean, that thing's going to be breaking downward. And then he's got a mid-80s changeup, and again, primarily using that against left-handed hitters. So I think that's the kind of pitcher you're going to see in Cannon. He's a guy he, – look, he trusts his secondary pitches – but his out pitch, by and large, has been that dominant fastball. All right, Bart, so that's Friday. Now we look to Saturday. And one thing we know, we go from right-hander to left-hander, but it's still a big old guy out on the mound for Georgia, Liam Sullivan. Look, man, I don't know how good they're going to be, but they're at least going to be tall and imposing. Yeah, the, the word tilt comes into play once again with Liam Sullivan. He's not the typical left-handed guy that's given us trouble this year. You know, that's the thing that worries you is because we really haven't hit left-handed well at all this year. But he's a big, tall guy. He's going to throw it okay. Uh, he's had some pretty good numbers so far. You know, he's 6'6", man, 6'6", sophomore from Sandy Spring. You know, when you look at his outing so far this year, 
You know, he went two innings in that first start against Albany, was not very good at all. Uh, they ended up winning that game. That was a game they had to come from behind and win early in that uh, in that first weekend. But he gave up four runs on five hits. He struck out three and he walked two. And then the second weekend, he was much better against Akron. Now against Georgia Tech, he struggled. Two and two-thirds work, gave up two runs on three hits. And once again, the walks cropped back up. One strikeout and three walks. And then he settled back down last weekend against Lipscomb, went five innings, uh, struck out five and walked two. So the walks have been the problem so far in 14 two-thirds of work, 11 strikeouts and eight walks. And so that's been the big key so far for Liam Sullivan. But like you said, Charlie, he's a big old dude out there. When I think of Sullivan, I think back to something David Cohn talked about one time on a Yankees broadcast. He was saying, you know, people want to argue with me sometimes about whether something is a curveball or it's a slider. And he said so many guys today, basically what you just have is a breaking pitch. It's one or the other, whatever you want to call it, whatever they want to call it. So that's Sullivan. He's got a fastball. He's got a real short takeaway, kind of throws three quarters. He, he's going to throw in the low 90s. But he's got basically what you'd call a slurve. It's going to be 78, 79. He's got a changeup he'll use. Now, we've seen him at times run it up there in the mid-90s. But for the most part, where he settles in, you expect is going to be low 90s, kind of that big breaking pitch. Not like a tight break, but one of those kind of big swingers. And so he's had a pretty – his changeup's been pretty good. Um, and that's the thing about him. He is plenty talented. You just don't know from day to day what you're going to get. We've seen him have some bad outings, some good ones. But, you know, that big left-handed breaking pitch uh, against those left-handed hitters, it's going to be interesting to see how they can adjust to that. Yeah, that, that is going to be the key. Now, the positive is, is we only have a couple, you know, two, three left-handed hitters in the order. The bad thing is, is those are the two or three guys that we really need to hit. We'll start talking about Kellum Clark and Hunter Hines. And so those left-on-left matchups do bring you problems. I mean, the thing about Georgia, they're kind of like us. you got two knowns right now as a starter. And I know we're going to probably go with Parker Sinnett as our third starter. But they lost Dylan Ross you know, early in the season. And so, I mean, Georgia, we, we talked yesterday to, to Jeff Dantzler, the radio guy for Georgia, and he was talking about, hey, they've had some injuries too with their pitching staff. And so, yes, yeah, it should be pretty good matchups on Friday with Preston Johnson and then against Jonathan Cannon. And then on Saturday, you've got Sullivan against what you would think would be Cade Smith for Mississippi State. So, you know, those, those are pretty good matchups. And then all of a sudden you get to Sunday and, hey, just throw out everything, man. You don't know what's going to happen. So then we roll into Sunday. And uh, what do you expect to see out of Georgia on Sunday? I mean, you'd have to think they – well, I don't know what to think. They went with Garrett Brown last time out. Garrett Brown got that extra start. And Brown in that game goes two and two-thirds, but he gives up eight hits to Lipscomb. Gives up four earned runs in the two and two-third. Then they go to the bullpen to Luke Wagner. Wagner comes in, kind of rights the ship. He's 5-0 and on the year. He went three innings, allowed three hits, walked one, didn't allow any runs. But Wagner's a guy that seems to be a little more comfortable coming out of the bullpen. His longest outing this year is four innings. We haven't seen him go over 56 pitches this year. But it's almost like on Sunday, they've been trying to figure it out as well. Yeah, that's the thing, Charlie. Like you just said, Garrett Brown has just not been good at all in his four starts. You know, eight and a third of work, 
six runs, 11 hits, six strikeouts, six walks. But you look at Wagner, and it kind of reminds you a little bit of of Chad Gerardo, a little reminds you a little bit of Ross Mitchell in 2013, where you just didn't want to start those guys. You just wanted to bring them out of the bullpen. But like you said, the numbers are so good on Wagner with a 17 strikeouts and seven walks and 12 and a third. And so, yeah, it's a little piggyback action. We saw Butch Thompson do that here in Startville 2012, 2013 a little bit, and that's probably what you're going to see on Sunday. So at the end of the day, you know, Georgia, when you get to Sunday, they're not great. They've been okay. Uh, Garrett Brown has not been very good. Well, yeah, I guess it's fair. And, you know, Wagner did start 12 games last year. But how about this? He had 12 starts. He had 17 appearances but only 39 innings. And so it's clearly a guy that whether they start him, whether they put him in middle relief, not typically a guy you expect to go, you know, six, seven, eight innings. And so – It'll be interesting to see what the teams do, but you know uh, what was the old uh, the old baseball saying? You know, talked about the rotation, spawn and sane, and pray for rain. I don't think either one of these teams are quite to that point, but I think everybody feels pretty good about two of their starters, and then still has some question marks. I think the thing that helps Mississippi State though is you've got two good starts out of Parker Stinnett, and one of those against a team that's every bit as good offensively as George is. Yeah, the whole key for Parker. It's just throwing strikes with his fastball early in the count, and that's where he struggled. He's just—it's amazing, and we saw it—you uh, know—saw it last weekend, where he falls behind two and zero, then comes back with a curveball, and it's—it's—it's it's, it's amazing how his number two pitch has been really good. So, anyway, hey, first weekend, everybody's going to be kind of feeling it out right now. Nobody really set with a rotation, especially Mississippi State and Georgia. All right, Bart. You know, yesterday I went down to Two Brothers. Two Brothers is one of my favorite places to eat in Starkville. And I've actually been there twice this week. I had tacos one week. I got uh, I got tempted, went with a burger in the midweek. The burger there, you know, we don't talk about that. Very underrated. But Two Brothers, you know, the great thing about Starkville this week is you had spring break. So you saw kind of a different crowd in Two Brothers and everywhere else around town this week. Some of us, uh, some of us old people kind of took it over a little bit. But uh, look, man, Two Brothers, outstanding place to go eat. And I thought what I would suggest, Bart, we haven't done this before, but since we have two brothers, why don't we have why don't we have a little play off that and go with two players? Two players for Georgia, not pitchers, kind of look at this weekend. Guys that can cause problems. So let's go with our two brothers, two players. And I'm gonna let you go first. All right, Charlie, I'm gonna go with a leadoff man, and that's Ben Anderson. Yeah, you know, Ben Anderson's batting three seventy three. That's tied with Cole Tate's the top on the ball club. He's got 19 hits. He's got three home runs. He's got a guy. He's got a little pop. Doesn't run a whole lot. Three for three in stolen bases, but he's walked 16 times. He's been hit by five pitches in both of those categories. He leads the team. He's just a guy that's been getting on base. His on base percentage is 548, and for a leadoff guy, that is outstanding. He sets the table for the guys in the middle of the order with Cole Tate and Connor Tate and Corey Collins. He's the table setter. you got to figure out a way to keep Ben Anderson off the bases. All right, that's a pretty good one. I'm going to go with the guy behind the plate, Corey Collins. Collins is a pretty good catcher. He's thrown out seven of the 19 that have tried to run against him, so does a pretty good job back there. But the thing about Corey Collins, sometimes they'll DH him you got to keep him in the lineup. So through 15 games, hitting 352, 
He has 19 hits. Of those, 12 are for extra bases. Half of those are home runs. So you've got a guy right now who is slugging at 796, an on-base percentage of 485. This guy is just completely out of his mind at the plate right now. So Corey Collins, the catcher, 19 hits and 54 at-bats, six home runs. And look, the other thing he does is he walks. Now, it's not like Luke Hancock jump off the page at you. 16 strikeouts, but he's walked 13 times. So it's also a guy who's not exactly just going up there and and going home run derby all or nothing on you. Really good hitter in Collins. He is a guy that has a potential to really disrupt a pitching staff. Well, and here's the thing too, Charlie. When you look at those 13 walks, and I know teams pitch around him a little bit, but with Georgia in that part of the order, two, three, four, five, You've got Cole Tate in there, who's been really good for you, batting 373. You've got Connor Tate, his brother, who is second on the team in hits with 20 hits. The, the Tate brothers lead the team in hits. One has 28, the other has 20. So that's the thing about Corey Collins. you got to be careful because he has the six home runs. But you, you just can't pitch around him But you've got because you've got so many guys right there, two, three, four, five. Everything is kind of stacked. I talked about the leadoff guy, Anderson. But your guy, Collins, man, he's surrounded by some good folks, too, and so you're going to have to pitch to him. When you talk about the Tates, I mean, they're roughly 43. They're they're like BYU level old. They've been around a while. So that's one of the things that I think, you know, factors into things from Georgia, just the power of being around and having having been there a little while. So that's our two players to look at from two brothers. By the way, as we said, check them out. Bart's a smoke wings guy. My daughter likes the – the fries with the cheese and the pulled pork. I'm kind of a taco guy, but everything over there is good. So go check out Two Brothers. Bart, one last thing I was going to note. We talked a little bit earlier about Georgia pitching. They actually lead the league in pickoffs. And they are right at the top of the league, too, in terms of throwing out guys stealing. You wonder what that does. We're not exactly an explosive team on the bases right now. But you, you expect it's going to be one of those weekends where you got to go station to station a lot. Yeah, I guess there's positives and negatives about that. You know, the positive is is we're not, you know, we're not relying upon it. It's not something that's a part of our game where we show up and we know we have to run to, to be good in our offense. The negative is is they can't control the running game if you get on base. And so uh, it's not like in the old days where we're having to get Dan Van Cleve to steal the, the 39 bases in a season. We're not doing that this year. And so the first thing is we got to get on base. That, that's, the, that's the big key. we got to give them a chance to pick us off. <laughs> you got to get the first station before he can go station to station, I suppose. A um, couple of teams, you know, if you look at us in the numbers, kind of right there together in terms of batting average, slugging percentage, uh, their ERA on the mound is a little bit better. Our competition's been a little bit better. Save for the fact they did play a three-game series with Georgia Tech. As we mentioned earlier, Georgia Tech, the number one RPI team right now in college baseball, and Georgia actually sitting there at number two. All right, Bart, um, final thoughts on this one as we uh, get ready for the weekend. You know, that's the thing, Charlie. When you get When you see the schedule put out, and you say, hey, we're opening on the road at Georgia, you're like, "Eh, okay, that's not too bad. It's not awful. You know, this was a team that hosted back-to-back regionals in back-to-back years, and then last year really took a step back. But like you said, 
they've got a lot of guys who have been around. They've got a very old ball club, and that's the thing that kind of worries you a little bit. And then, like you said, too, early on, I mean, this is the only matchup in the league this weekend. They're ranked in the top 25 right now. They've played pretty good. They're 14-3. and three. They won you know, four games in a row. And so you've got to go over there and, and got to get to Jonathan Cannon. That's the thing you have to do. T- set the table on Friday night and hope you get a pretty good outing out of Preston Johnson. Yeah, you talk about Friday nights. We've been spoiled a little bit, and Bulldogs still having to adjust a little bit on Friday night. So, by the way, we'd like to thank again our sponsors, Farm Bureau. We are here in the Farm Bureau studios. Mosquito Joe, they're making outdoors fun again. Two brothers, and of course, Tracks Plus. This is our Tracks Plus deep dig. And thanks as well to our friends at Bank First. Bank First, a, a growing bank, and they are just active all over the state of Mississippi, so go see them for your banking needs. Bart, you and I will be back together. We'll have a Sunday coffee, and then we'll round into whatever that Monday show was called. But I'm not going to predict anything. I would just say this. It is super important for Mississippi State to go get a win. You'd love to get a series win. The big thing you can't do, you can't go on the road and get swept early in the year. That's the whole key, man. Go on the road, and I know, hey, everybody wants to win everything. You want to sweep, you want to win every game, but uh, you cannot get swept on the road. That's the thing you can't do. Well, thanks again to everybody for hanging out with us. We'll be back with you on Sunday.